Is my hand too short to redeem? Do I lack strength to save? Indeed, I can dry up the sea of idol worshippers with my roar and make the rivers of them into desert so their fish stink from lack of water and die in thirst. I can clothe the heavens in darkness and cover them with sackcloth. The prophet says, God Almighty has given me a tongue for teaching, so I should know how to teach those who thirst for God's word, the right thing at the right time. He wakes me every morning and rouses my ears to hear prophecy, so I will be able to listen like a disciple. God Almighty opened my ears, and I did not hold myself back or retreat. Even if there was a fear that I would be hurt, I went nonetheless, and I gave over my body to floggers and my cheeks to those who tore out my hair. I did not hide my face from the fear of insult and spitting. Despite all odds, God Almighty helped me, and so I was not ashamed. I saw God was helping me, so I have made my face like hard rock that would deflect any insult, and I know that I will not be ashamed. God, who is my defender, is near to me. So who wants to fight me? God and I will stand together. Whoever wishes to be my adversary, let him approach me. Indeed, God Almighty will help me. So who could declare me guilty? My opponents will all be worn out like old clothing and consumed by moths. Who among you fears God and listens to the voice of his servant, the prophet? Even he who walked in darkness of suffering without any light of hope for salvation should trust in God's name that salvation will indeed come and rely on his God. In truth, nearly all of you cause the fire of God's anger to blaze and fan the flames. Consequently, you will walk in the light of your fire and the flame you lit being punished accordingly. This is no accident. It has come to you from my hand, so that when you lie down to die, you will have only you will have had only sadness. Listen to me, you pursue justice and seek God, to Abraham the rock from which you were hewn, and to Sarah the quarry quarry from which you were dug. Look to your father Abraham and to Sarah who gave birth to you, for he was alone without any family when I called him, but I blessed him and caused him to multiply. And likewise I will make the Jewish people, who are now a minority, multiply greatly. For God will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her ruins. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like God's garden. Joy and gladness will be found there. Thanksgiving and the sound of music. Amen. The uh, apostolic reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 13. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who gave us the words of Messiah Yeshua and the words of the apostles. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the words of Messiah Yeshua and the apostles. Amen. Where are you reading from? Hebrews 11. Yes. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he migrated to the land of promise as if it were foreign, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same place. For he was waiting for the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive when she was barren and past the age, since she was considered since she considered the one who had made the promise to be faithful. So from one, and him as good as dead, were fathered offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as uncountable as the sand on the seashore. 
These all died in faith without receiving the things promised, but they saw them and welcomed them from afar, and they confessed that they were strangers and sojourners on the earth. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has given the Hebrew scriptures and the apostolic scriptures to all of mankind and has shown us the way to the world to come through Yeshua HaMashiach. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, giver of the Hebrew scriptures and the apostolic scriptures. Amen. Amen. Cool. So, you want to do And then the one on the next page, just for grace. Blessed are you, and our God, King of the universe, rock of all eternities, righteous in all generations, trustworthy God who says and does, who speaks and fulfills, all of, word, all of his words are true and righteous. Trustworthy are you, and our God, trustworthy are your words, not one of your words is turned back to the origin unfulfilled, for you are God, trustworthy and compassionate Blessed are you, and I, the God who is trustworthy in all his words. Amen. Have mercy on Zion, for it is the source of our life, the one who is deeply humiliated, brings salvation speedily in our days. Blessed are you, Adonai, who gladdens the earth of your children. Amen. God has gladdened us, Adonai, our God, with the lodge of the prophet, your servant, and with the kingdom of the house of David, your anointed one. May he can speedily cause heart to exult. Let us let no stranger sit, nor others continue to inherit his honor. For by your holy name you swore to him that his lamp shall not that his lamp will not be extinguished forever and ever. Blessed are you, Adonai, shield of W. Amen. 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 Okay. For the Torah reading, the prayer service, for the reading for the prophets, on the Sabbath day that you and I are God have given us for holiness and contentment, for glory and splendor, for all this that I are God, we gratefully thank you, bless you, may your name be blessed by the mouth of all the living, always, for all eternity. Blessed are you and I who sanctifies the Sabbath. Amen. All right. So you got a you got a sore throat. So can we not you can. So can we uh, can we help you here? Sure. A short short a little short deal here. Three, and then we'll, we'll eat a little bit. Yeah. So a cab? You? Because? Or in in lieu of? No. As a result of. As a result of. We're on the heels of right right. Um. I I would just figured you'd ask us about the uh, about the Shema because. We got the second paragraph of the Shema in this book. Sure. I mean, it's so cool. The, uh, I mean, it wasn't until just recently. It might even be the last that um, I realized that the first part, of the, and I guess it was because I was trying to learn in Hebrew, is the first paragraph of the Shema is almost identical to the second one, except that the second one is all plural, and the first one is all singular, which is pretty cool. You should do this, and then later, y'all. Need to do this as a community. Or use guys. Or use, yeah, that's exactly right. So um, that really came home for me when I was reading. I'm, I'm sure, sure Rick saw. Um, Rick saw. That's kind of cool. Which which makes sense to me with the blessings in it too. Exactly. Yeah. But the that whole thing in, in this particular deal, I'm trying. To, yeah. I mean, it just came alive in, in this, you know, because they put the parents in place and kind of fleshed out that whole plural deal mm. because you guys are going to stay. If you want to stay, you, need, you know, mm -hmm. you know, kind of deal. So I, I enjoyed it. Very I much. mean, a lot of the blessings in Deuteronomy are directed to the nation. Yeah. They're not, not to say that the individual is not blessed for being obedient, because they are, but um, uh, this particular set of blessings, things like 
you're going to have wine and oil and food for your cattle and, and the rain. rain at the right time and so on and so forth um, are definitely communal blessings. Yeah, and in fact, if, if you don't read the other four books of the Torah and you start with this one, you recognize it really is a nation now that's coming in to take land and, and, and have some obligations rather than just a, a you know a couple families together like we are sitting here today. Right. If, 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 if the Exodus is something of the Declaration of Independence, Deuteronomy is the Constitution. Yeah. It's laying so it's the it's the this is how you do it as a nation. Yeah. And if you think about that, I think it's really helpful because sometimes you read these passages and it can be easy um, in some some religious circles to be like, oh, oh, you, you've got cancer? Well, obviously you don't have enough faith. You blew it. Or you must have sinned. You Your know, fault. that's why. And that actually happens in Yeshua's day. Yeshua's walking along with his disciples and they go, so that guy's born blind from birth. Well, so was it his fault or was his parents' fault? And she was like, yeah, they're both wrong. Option C, um, and, and I think it's because we sometimes misunderstand the idea of blessings and curses as explicitly in the scriptures in terms of this life are more often than not communal versus individual. So God does reward the righteous, absolutely. But for a lot of individuals... And punishes the wicked. The wicked. In terms of individuals, I think that the majority of the time that reward and punishment is post-life. Whereas when you talk about the in-life blessings that are more explicitly spoken, that are promised, let's put it that way, those tend to be communal. So when it talks about that we know infertility among you, right? That's a communal blessing. So that means if someone has trouble getting pregnant, it's not because there's something wrong. It's because that's a different type of category. Whereas if the entire nation was obedient, then the, as, a, as, a, as a nation, then the nation would receive this blessing. So it's like raining your proper time. Yeah. Well, if it's raining, you know, or not raining, and your tomatoes are not doing well or not, that's probably nothing to do with your obedience. Although God may be possibly trying to get your attention. Not a bad idea. It's to so it's raining everywhere except the backyard. Yeah, um, exactly right. But the uh, that's but that maybe something to do personal soul searching. But it certainly should not be accusations from somebody else. Well, if it's if, if some I'm sorry if some of it's nation based, it, it makes some of the other passages make so much sense. Like. I'm going to clear the way because these nations have been wicked and, right. and they're getting their due stuff now. Egypt did this bad to you and look what happened to them. And then later we read, you know, um, when Messiah comes, you don't you don't come up for Sukkot, no rain for you. Right. The whole nation, not just the individual guy with the trees in the backyard. Right. Everybody else is getting rain and that poor little guy has just got sunny all That's the time. It. That's, That's it. not how it's going to work. That the ambiguity in English versus the singular when addressing you. It's not necessary. We have ways of saying plural you. Unfortunately, the ambiguity as it's translated into scripture causes us problems that we don't actually have in, in even in our culture. We understand individual responsibility, corporate or, or communal responsibility. We understand those things. The world talks about raising good citizens when you talk about raising children. It's like that's what we're talking about. They're communal responsibility. Um, the problem that we have is a theological problem, problem excuses. Actually, not a valid theological problem, but excuses being offered why we shouldn't do certain things. Hmm. Or the accusations, accusation, what, so are you going to start you know, offering sacrifices in your backyard? All of that kind of stuff is, is, of course, silly. It's so silly. And everybody 
Everybody knows it's silly. Knows. Well, they may not consciously, but they instinctively know it's silly. Um, that the, and, and that's why they accept the Ten Commandments almost, is because it seems that they are they are individual commandments, commandments to an individual. Um, most of them, they think. Um, but that's the, the biggest problem is that we we really need to examine personal responsibility of how that reflects on a corporate or community, mm -hmm. and vice versa, because all of it actually makes perfect sense, and all of it actually is required. Sure. So it's not a problem. I mean, understanding that our communal responsibility to offer offerings is our still our communal responsibility. That's right. How we're going to do that and when we're going to do that depends on a communal opportunity, not that that. Uh, a difference in age or yeah. time or anything like that or dispensation yeah. which is just ridiculous and, and the, the the sickness that we all have to want to blame anybody but yeah, ourselves is exactly what right. you know Adam did it's what Cain sure. did you know the whole deal and even though even those of us that value and, and honor the word of God in its entirety still we still all shade at times based on our own needs or some cases our own weaknesses to shade things is like well okay so we won't do that or we will do this or something we're going to do it different because of our family all of those things are variants of the same malaise that affects people who try to have an excuse not to obey God um, not always that's not always a motivation but we we can understand how people do it absolutely and with with the raising of children today that are just out of control. And, and you look at the parents, and, and you've got some writers that come out and say this. I don't think the problem is, or, or, or it's just bad parenting, because these 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 young people absolutely have no concept of the fact that the world does not revolve around them, and there is a specific individual responsibility for whatever actions you take, and ultimately a communal responsibility for you as an individual to deal, to deal with, which I think yeah. is. Um, well, not just to deal with, but also you have responsibility to the community. When you err, you're hurting your community. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that we, um, it's also very important to keep in mind. But also I think too, like that, talking about this whole topic, I think the flip side of this is also very much an issue. Sometimes people can become too depressed or too guilt-ridden based on circumstances in their life and not necessarily based on their actions. And the point of, of seeing these as communal blessings and curses I think is valid because otherwise you can say, well, but I, you know, I don't have the job that I want, or I don't have as many kids as I want, or I don't have, um, you know, insert whatever circumstance. You know, my tomatoes aren't growing in the backyard. It must be because I'm such a horrible person, and God must be really mad at me. And it's like, well, maybe it's a good chance to do some soul searching to see if there's areas in your life you need to improve. But we should be careful not to let that become our general demeanor, because one of the things that I mean, Rabbi Nachman talks about, things very valid, is that you can become so despairing in your own life that you actually stop trying or don't try as hard or you lose sight of your relationship with God and God becomes this this mean God who just wants to punish you and that's not the relationship you're supposed to have at all and so um, I think recognizing that there are communal blessings and curses is very helpful because it means that your circumstances may or may not be tied directly to your behavior maybe God's teaching you something completely different not about you know how to repent but maybe about how to persevere you know, or God's giving you, um, I mean, I have to say, you know, for us in our journey and going without having kids when we wanted to have them, it made us really, really value them when we got them. 
Um, so, you know, I don't know what God's full plan was there, but I think that's part of it. Sure. Um, as opposed to, you know, I wasn't praying long enough, <laughs> you know, whatever it might have been. James, so, right? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Right. Absolutely. You suffer so that you can suffer. Right. Yeah. These are. Yeah. So that's exactly right. So these are. These are definitely a bigger picture than that. Um, one other passage this week that I, um, in particular, wanted to highlight that I thought was interesting. That for the first time I feel like the light bulb went off in my head as to what we're talking about um, was the, uh, um, the the idea of uh, God gave you manna that you may know the man does not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I have to say, I guess it's just my Christian background, maybe, or maybe the way that I heard it, not to say blame any of the one in the Christian church who taught it this way, but just maybe the way that it resonated in my head. Somehow, that always felt like, um, it made no sense. It was like, the moral here is that it's really important to study the Word of God. What that has to do with eating, we don't really know, but it's really important to study the Word of God. I was struggling with that, like, why is this here? Like, what are we trying to learn here? It's like, because that's not what... God gave you manna to teach you don't really need bread. And that's even how we sometimes joke about it, you know. Man should not live by bread alone. He also needs meat and, you know, or, or cheese, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, that's not what we're talking about either. The, the, light, the light bulb this time went off and it's like, oh, okay. So man does not live by bread alone because man doesn't live, man exists, man continues to live based on God's power. It's outside of our own effort and energy and whatever it may be. This kind of ties into this, um, coming from Rosh Hashanah, this idea that God sets your income level for the year at Rosh Hashanah. So therefore, no matter how much work you put in or don't put in, that's not going to change. Um, so like that, that idea of, um, that idea that God is the one providing for you. Therefore, if, um, so it's by the word of God. So in other words, if I obey God, he'll take care of the rest. I don't have to worry about um, my own needs, whatever it might be. If you think about it, this week's portion actually has such a brilliant example of that. It's Moses. Yeah. Moses is like, so I went up on the mountain for 40 days. And then after that was over, I came down briefly to smash some tab smash some tablets and grind and some gold. And went back up for 40 Back days. up for 40 days. And then after that was over, I, I made no, more new tablets and then went back up for another 40 days. Yeah. And it's like, and so in the, in the, um, the, in the, in the full realm of that, it's like, so for 120 days, he maybe possibly got a snack when he came up and down or something like that, but that's basically it. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. because he wasn't living off of what we live off of because his 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 uh, holiness, so to speak, and God's provision was in supernatural realms, which fits with the only other time we see this passage coming from Yeshua. He's in the midst of he's in the midst of forty days and of fasting. When he says, man shall not live by bread alone, by every mouth word, keeps the mouth of God. And he's actually living it. But you and my dad. You know, to bring it even closer to home, the, the concept that things are held together. Read a Philippians, right? Colossians. Colossians. You know, all things are held together by him. And without him. Right. Right? So it's the word of God that's, that's holding all of this together. Right, exactly. And then you've got... Two examples again in the same generation: Deuteronomy 8:10 and Deuteronomy 8:18. 8:10, we're going to bless him for actually providing us with food, and then 18, he's the one to your mom Rosh Hashanah who allows us to make wealth. Right, right, absolutely. You know, monks fast all the time. So 
they don't appreciate the facts. It's one of the things that I think is really important is that when we fast, that we fast in a consistent way as opposed to, or not consistent way, but at least occasionally, but not all the time. In other words, if we make fast a common thing, then we may lose some of the benefit of the fast. To me, what is always most remarkable is at the end of the fast, recognizing how weak as human beings we actually are. Like going a day or however long we're fasting um, without eating. It's monumental. You know, it's like how much we depend on that one thing just to have, you know, a mental state of mind, yeah. you know, in addition, obviously, sustenance, but most of it's just mental. Yet that idea that, you know, the weakness that we have as human beings. And so I think that it is important, actually, to say man does not live by bread alone is a reflection upon the weakness of we as human beings have, and it's borne out in the simple thing of having to eat every day. Right, and then also the idea then of um, of that dependence on God, and recognizing that it's not the food that keeps us going. Because right. I think that's one of the things that Judaism, the Midrash is oftentimes, um, it feels like reading a comic book sometimes, where they're talking about, you know, sometimes, and, uh, sometimes not always, sometimes, you know, and, and um, Richard, you know. Um, sometimes we have this idea of, uh, you know, the, 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 and the guy, and they were traveling from this town to this town, and it only, it's supposed to take nine days, it only took three days, because God made the ground, you know, contract on the way, and it became smaller, and, you know, it's like, maybe that, maybe it didn't, but the, uh, the point is that it was really a, um, the point of that is to say that the natural world and its limitations were at, were not a factor when God is in control mm -hmm. and we're ultimately only subject to the will of God. And I think that's important to remember because it's so easy sometimes to get sucked into this idea that it's on me. But this week's portion specifically says, what does God require of you? But to love him and fear him and obey him and keep his commandments. It doesn't include and to you know put in 10 hour work days or to offer 45 lambs every Thursday or whatever it might be. It's like God told you what to do and that's the end of it. Everything else is completely in his purview, and he will make sure that he takes care of it. And so that communal blessings we were talking about earlier is partly a, a, uh, an understanding that God is going to meet your needs. You obey, God takes care of the rest. Or as uh, one of my favorite um, uh, historical figures would say, uh, uh, Thomas Jackson, he said, duty is man consequences are gods. I was just, along those same verses this year, I was also struck by it, and one that follows right after Yeshua's quote from Man Does Not Live By Bread Alone. One of the things we talked about at our Shabbat table was just how miraculous it is to not have clothing or feet, like, wear out for 40 years in the wilderness. And I was explaining to the kids, like, we're not even 40 yet. We have changed our clothes a lot in that time. Could you imagine just like the dust and the sweat and all of that, and yet, yeah. and so I was thinking about that too, about like, wow, I, I kind of forgot that this really cool verse follows the quote from Yeshua, mm. because there's still that, that tie-in, that applicability to, it's just, I mean, it's quite frankly miraculous life, really. I mean, it's how much it relies on God and on his provision and protection for us. And so it's just kind of a, it, I, I was struck this year by the, the tie-in between that, that it really, obviously I think part of what he's saying is 
God promised to feed you in the wilderness, he did, but that's not the only reason you're alive. It's because of everything that God has told you that he's bringing you into the wilderness. So there's a whole lot more promises that are that you should be believing in, in addition to the one about bread. Hmm. But then you, you have just that follow-up here with the, with the wilderness and that, like, something that you may not have even noticed until... Moshe pointed it out to you. Right. Like, right. like you would be going along and be like, "Those are the kids you put on 38 years yeah. ago." Yeah. I mean, like, I, it would probably not have come up. Like, wow, your clothes are still looking really good. It's been 20 years. And <laughs> I don't even know if that would have been talked about until this amazing reminder. And then I could almost see everybody going like, "You're right. Wow, I didn't even think of that. God has been with us every single day." small things like our clothing absolutely and i think that i mean for those of you who have small children or who have had small children you may remember this um clothing that grows with you is miraculous i mean that was the i think of 40 years i feel like i can really go four months where i had to buy whole new wardrobes for my children and um and uh the the, the midrash rashi points this out that they teach that the, the clothes grew with them like a snail shell you know as they're as they're getting bigger the clothes just kept going with them you know, so it's like, you know, Susie didn't go from the dress to the miniskirt. It just, you know, stayed the same length the whole time. So uh, it's just amazing to me how um, the, the, the scriptures are teaching this, this principle of God's provision. And I think that that's so applicable to us. Because to your point, Gregory, how easy is it? So we look at them, we're like, they didn't notice their clothes were growing, like, with them. Like, you know, with their, that, that blue shirt was still the same color, you know, 40 years later. But think about that way for us. I mean, think about, like... How, how long has it been since you had to repair your car? Or how long has it been since your roof leaked? Or how, how, you know, how you got that job at just the right time when you didn't need that much before and then shortly thereafter, you know, your family grew or whatever it might be. And it's like these types of things, God's doing this provision for us all the time. It may not look as miraculous as it did in the, in the Torah, but it's the same principle. You know, it's, I love that story from the Six Constant Men's Boat with the rabbi and his daughter. And they're like, they have no oil for burning candles or lights on Shabbat. And, he, and he's like, well, just use the vinegar. And she's like, vinegar doesn't burn. And the rabbi's response is, well, if God can make the oil burn, why can't he make the vinegar burn? Not seeing it as science works this way, but everything is subject to the will of God. And if we had the same view of our own lives, I would hope that it would make us eternally grateful, which goes back into what you were saying earlier. The same passage has that when you've eaten and you're satisfied, you shall thank God. Because where does it come from? It doesn't come from you. You know, and that, to your point, another verse here, God gives you the power to make wealth. It doesn't mean that you don't put in the effort. They still had to traipse to the wilderness. It does mean that God is going to provide the end result. And I think that with the garden example, it's just such a beautiful one. Because you may be out there every Sunday uh, digging in the dirt and weeding and watering and so on and so forth. But if the right amount of sunshine and the right amount of rain and the right amount of you know nutrients and the the right amount of you know lack of bugs and mold and whatever else don't work together perfectly, you get no fruits and vegetables. Paul said the same thing with regard to sharing the gospel, right? I plant, he waters. It's God who causes the increase. Absolutely right, and I really and I feel like that's also true with like with children. You know, you as parents are putting in that effort. You're training them, you're teaching them, you're, you're growing them, you're studying with them, you're doing the things that you have to do. If you don't do that, you will end up with, you know, small hellions. But at the same time, the end result is really God's blessing on your work. So it's, it's that understanding, that sense of humility 
about your work. So as a man, especially, you think about are those you, you who you know who are working in in the workforce and bringing home money. It's gonna be some so time so easy to think. I put in X number of hours, I get X number of dollars. But, uh, but in the end, it's really, I put in X number of hours, and miraculously, there's money in my bank account. I don't know how that happened, but God has blessed me. I've got Gregory and then my dad. One of my favorite lines out of the Modim that we just prayed, so the, the regular Thanksgiving and the Shemoni yesterday, not the one for the rabbis, but it says, for your miracles that are with us every, every single, single day. day. I love that line. It, it is a great reminder that it is every day. It's not just that miracles happen. Like, oh, I remember that time in 1989. Like, so, well, no, it's like every day. And all really day. Cool. Yeah. Evening, morning, and afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. And I, it reminds me that uh, G.K. Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy, has these really interesting ways of looking at things where he'll, he'll even go so far of talking about the miracles of God and the presence of God and his active work in the life of creation to say, like, what if the roses were blue? right before you looked at them, and then they turned red, just to like be especially pretty just for you, or like, what if the sun wasn't going to rise, but then he decided to make it rise that day too, you know, like just kind of right. seeing things not as science, but as it's active work of God every single day. Well, and the thing about it is, it's really, it's the lesson that we want our children to learn that unfortunately I think we sometimes forget as adults, and it's taking things for granted, you know, I mean, when, uh, you know, we come home, we have, there's food on the table for our children. It is so easy for them to assume that that's just natural. Of course there's food on the table. Sometimes I want to eat it, sometimes I don't, but of course it's there. And that's like, you know, something you have to remind your kids, no, you will eat that food because mommy worked for it and daddy paid for it. You know, it's like, and that idea that, sometimes we do. But the point is that like, the, the idea is that like, we, we're trying to teach our children not to take things for granted. But just because it's always there, just because it happens without their visually seeing the work that goes into it, doesn't mean that it just appears. You know, we tell our kids money doesn't grow on trees, right? Thinking like this idea, but, but it doesn't really grow out of my job either. I mean, it, it appears because God makes it. And for me, as an adult, I also have to be careful not to take that for granted. Not to think that somehow um, it is by the power of my might and the strength of my arm that all of this has, has worked out for me, but rather it is God's goodness. I've got my dad and then my mom. We, we oftentimes talk about having the world's problems unbelief, and, and it is. But more important than that is, is a lack of thankfulness. And Romans mm. 1 teaches us that we as human beings instinctively know, instinctively know that God provides. Mm -hmm. And instinctively we all know that it's, it does just show up because he does it not because of circumstances. So even the wicked know that God does it all. And the reason that they don't thank him is because they're resentful. And mm. when, we, when things don't go our way, circumstances or whatever else, and we start to complain, we're complaining against God. We know it. Right. And, and he made that clear in the wilderness. We know, we know what are you complaining? We're talking to we're Moses, complaining. you're talking to God. We're yeah. complaining because we're being picked on. And we know we're being picked on by the Almighty. But the thing is, to your point, I think is because of the responsibility it places on us. You know, if God is the one who provides everything, then he has a right to sort of dictate what our actions should be and our responses should be. Uh, and it also means it's not something we can put on ourselves. I mean, that's the whole idea of idolatry, right? I would like to get a benefit from the divine, and I would rather not have to follow a whole list of rules. So if I only have to offer the right you know, animal at the right time of day on the right day of the week, 
and rain will come, that's a whole lot easier than having to live a moral life. I don't mind rules. Laws are my rules. My rules. So an idol is my rules. Right, and that's basically what we boil down to in, in a humanistic approach to the universe today. There are rules, but they're my rules. The rules that I'm comfortable with, the ones that make it easy for me, the ones that maybe society agrees upon. But I don't have to stand out. I don't have to do anything hard. You know, it's only when it matters to me. And of course, but ultimately, it's just it's flying in the face of who's really in charge, and, this, and the consequences are going to chase you down anyway. I got my mom and, and then. Some of this discussion reminds me of in John, where he's quoted like the woman at the well, and his disciples have been out looking for food. Right. right. And they come back and they say, Rabbi, eat. He said, I have food to eat, which you do not know. And they're all talking to themselves, going, where to get food? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Right. And then he goes into the talk of the fields of the harvest or raised, but it's not labor. So even the disciples weren't quite getting it all at the moment. And, you know, a process of learning that to do his will is what fulfills us and fills our needs. Thankfully, he gives us food to eat because I hate fasting. <laughs> so, you know, thankfully we don't have to do that all the time. But it is a, the true fulfillment of our hearts and our souls and our bodies is to follow what he gives us Amen. to do. Right. And ultimately, the, the meeting of those physical needs is is his gift. So that takes the pressure off of us, so to speak, and also should adjust our focus. You know, again, um, I don't think in this room is so much of an issue, but I mean, there are definitely people who who who, who um, so prioritize their, their work that they lose sight of what matters more, whether it's family, whether it's God, life. life in general. I mean, the whole work-life balance thing, the whole reason why the world pushes it is because inside the world's a tendency to be like, push, push, push all the time, always working, always trying to make more money, always trying to, and it's like, you do that, you, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's a sad story of the person who spends their whole life saving up for retirement so that they can have, you know, what, four and a half years of fun before they die of a heart attack because of how long have they been working this whole time? You know, and it's like, that's not the life that God wants us to live, but at the same time, no. at the same time, we have, to, um, uh, we have to recognize that God's one who provides for us. So therefore, we have responsibilities to follow him. The rest of it will come. And mm -hmm. I've got you, and then I guess any final comments. I know it's getting close to lunchtime. So um, at, uh, at our age, a lot of people are dying. And we're going to funerals. <laughs> you know, we're going to funerals. Yeah, we're going to funerals all the time. And At my age, a lot of people are being born. That's, that's yeah, 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 I get it. But, it, you know, the, it really is... An amazing thing to consider. It's just one heartbeat. Mm -hmm. One heartbeat. And the breathing stops and it's done. It, it, it is truly astonishing that He allows us to live. And if we were to reflect on that just a little bit more, the fact that your heart is not beating except that he's making it be. Mm -hmm. We are so fragile and so close to death. We just notice it more when you get old because your friends are literally dying. Right. And it is, we should be considering that all the time. Right. That we are but held by him. Right. Man, astonishing. Is this a verse I regularly Psalm 144 that says, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Mm -hmm. Man is like a breath, and his days are like a passage. That's it. That's it. That's exactly right. So. 
Cool. Well, we should thank him every morning when we wake up. Great. Thank you for returning your soul to me. Thank you. Thank him for the food. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Any final final thoughts? Aside from blessing God for food? And you know, that's exactly where we're going. Um, if you would uh, grab your sitters and uh, turn to 493. You got one hand? If you were strained because of the Sabbath, your feet, refrain from accomplishing your own needs on my holy day. If you proclaim the Sabbath, I delight. The Holy One of Adonai. The Holy One of Adonai. Honored one. And if you honor him by not doing your own ways, from seeking your needs or discussing the forbidden, then you shall be granted pleasure with Adonai. And, you, and I shall you ascribe the heights of the world and provide you the heritage of your father Jacob. And the mouth of Adonai has spoken. And the children of Israel observe the Sabbath to make the Sabbath of their, for their generations an eternal covenant. Between me and the children of Israel it is a sign forever. That in six days did Adonai make the heaven and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Always remember the Sabbath day to hallow it. For six days you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath for Adonai your God. You may do no work, you, your son, and your daughter, your slave, and your maidservant, your animal, and the stranger who is in your gates. For in six days did Adonai make the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore Adonai blessed the Sabbath day and sanctified it. Amen. Baruch Atadonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Pari HaGafen. Amen. 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 Amen.